0: Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. We've been in uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians. We started going through 2 Thessalonians, which is very similar to 1 Thessalonians, and uh, um, Paul's writing these letters very close together, and both of them have important passages about the return of Jesus Christ. In First in Thessalonians, he's talking about you know what's going to happen you know, into the order the dead in Christ shall rise first. Their concern, of course, was that. Um, there would be, uh, that the, the, they, they were waiting and eager for the second coming, and then people start dying, and it's like, oh, did they miss it? Did they miss Jesus coming back? And Paul assures them, no, 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 they didn't miss anything. Uh, in fact, when Jesus comes back, they'll rise first, then we which are alive and, and remain will join them. And then he gives them these instructions, these very practical instructions about working with your hands, not being busybodies. And then we get into the second letter, uh, where he offers them, uh, starts off with some practical advice, and... Uh, Uh, Well, actually, when he closes the first letter, remember one of the things he said, one of the more famous things, one of the most famous verses. This is after the second coming stuff that he talks about, about the return. He says, avoid every appearance of evil or every uh, instance of evil. And I talked about how misinterpreted that verse was and how we we have taken it kind of uh, more like uh, the Shakespeare uh, line, uh, Caesar's wife must be above reproach, meaning if it looks evil to somebody else, it doesn't matter if there's something sinful about it. If you give somebody the wrong idea, that's your fault. And that's not what that verse is talking about. And the example I gave was how uh, a minister that, uh, that I've known for years said that uh, some little boys were at his house, some, some, some uh, friends of his son's, and they went home and told their parents that, oh, they have alcohol in the house. When they didn't, but what they had seen was that Welch's sparkling uh, cider, or whatever it was, that sparkling grape juice. And, uh, and this man, this minister said, and I decided I will never buy that stuff again because it gave somebody the wrong impression. And I said, I like that stuff, and we're going to buy it. And uh, if you see it in my house, you'll know that's what it is. But it's just because you mistakenly believe you saw uh, champagne or wine in somebody's house, it doesn't mean somebody else is sinning by having welch's sparkling grape juice but duke told me uh afterward he goes well i've got some of that it was given to me and i don't like it so if you want it i'll give it to you i said i'll take it so this morning i'm standing out there in the lobby and there's a couple from way back in my church camp days i haven't seen him in decades and i'm shaking hands and talking to him and here comes duke out of the fellowship hall here you go preacher (laughs) (laughs) that's me (laughs) (laughs) a paper bag. I'm like, yeah, that makes a great impression, doesn't it? So there it is, Welch's, and he did it on purpose. That was beautiful. That was one of the funniest things uh, that's ever, and the timing couldn't have been better. Yes, this is a loose church. There you go, preacher. So anyway, so we get through that part of, uh, 1 Thessalonians, we, he, he, then he starts, and we got through the first chapter of 2 Thessalonians last week, which I'm uh, uh, not going to take much time to review because I really want to get into this. This is super important, what we're going to talk about today. But then he gets into chapter 2, and I gave you the, uh, the sort of the teaser last week. This is where we're going to start talking about what? The great apostasy. He says, I don't want you to be worried. Don't believe it. If somebody tells you that this stuff has already happened, that the, that the second coming has already taken place, that you've missed it, because these things can't happen until what? Until there's a great falling away. Until the man of sin has been revealed. The, the son of uh, uh, what? Yes. Son of perdition. And uh, the, the restrainer. The restrainer is going to restrain until he's taken out of the way. The lawless one through whom Satan will uh, exhibit all this power and perform these false signs and wonders. And God will destroy him with the breath of his mouth. This is one of the most exciting and important prophetic passages uh, in the Bible. Certainly in Paul's writings, it's one of these places where he really gives some some specifics about the last days, some instruction. And it's one of the most argued about passages. Who is the man of lawlessness? Who is the restrainer might be the toughest question to ask in that whole passage. Are you interested? Then come next week. We're not talking about it today. Sorry, Nancy. I worked on it, I'm ready, and God gave me something else. Laid something on my, head. and this one of those deals where, hey God, why didn't you tell me that four hours ago? Because by the time I knew what I was supposed to preach on, I was too tired to write anything down. So I got this morning, wrote it down, and it's not long. Might be out of here in record time, we'll see. Never know about that. Uh, let me start with a couple of stories. And these are stories. Once upon a time, a scientist, medical scientist, biochemist, he developed a chemical in tablet form that effectively immunized humans from every form of disease. not just viruses, but bacterial infections, cancers, heart disease, organ failure? You name it. What's more, it costs just pennies to produce. It could be made available to the public for over-the-counter consumption. Cheaper than aspirin, and all you had to do was pop one pill a day. And the doc made his announcement, presented his findings, and after a flurry of media attention, he dropped dead of pneumonia. Why? This is just a story. So I'll let you ponder the why. Another guy, once upon a time, military scientist inspired by the movie Iron Man developed, not so cheaply this time, of course, a new battle armor for frontline troops. It was lightweight. It didn't interfere with soldiers' movements. It didn't interfere with their vision. And as he bravely demonstrated himself, it would withstand a direct hit from an enemy tank, not just small arms file. Not the small arms fire. And then one day, just before the army was about to sign a multi-billion dollar contract for the armor, the scientist was unfortunately killed when some punks dropped a rock off an overpass through his car windshield. Why did he die? He died because he wasn't wearing the armor. The doctor died because even though the pill worked perfectly, he didn't take the pill. Maybe you see where I'm going with this already. And I'm not going much further. We're not going to get super deep today. But I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. Because I've been stirring myself up by way of reminder. Open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6 beginning in verse 10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the armor of God. Sorry about the sniffles. And just like the armor in our story, it doesn't do any good if you don't put it on. Paul told us to put on the whole armor of God. He didn't say, hey, congratulations, there's armor on you. First Peter 5.8. As you're turning there, let me ask you this. What do you think about putting on that armor? How often do you think you have to put it on? Hey, I would say daily. You know, the mercies of God are new every morning. Let's just treat every day like a new day and armor up every day. Does that make sense to you? Put it on daily. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is looking for a moment when you are not armored up. He's looking for a weak spot. Back to that armor, that shield of faith, which quenches the fiery darts or the flaming missiles of the wicked one. That's important, isn't it? If we've got an enemy who roams about like a roaring lion, if he's throwing things at me like a lion does, no, I'm mixing my metaphors here. If he's launching missiles, fiery darts, And if the thing that quenches those darts and missiles is the shield of faith, number one, I'm glad there is a shield of faith. Number two, I want to know, how do I wield it? How do I activate that shield of faith? How do I make it work for me? It's not a physical shield. Paul just told us we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, so it's not like I've mentioned Iron Man, I'll mention Captain America. I'm not just going to pick it up and hold it. How do I wield the shield? Well, let's look at Matthew, uh, chapter 17, verse 20. Now this is, uh, they, brought, they brought Jesus, this uh, boy, uh, to have demons cast out of him and to be healed of epilepsy. And the disciples couldn't do it. Jesus said, bring him here. And the disciples said, why couldn't we cast it out? So Jesus said to them in verse 20, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, what's our shield? It's faith, right? The shield of faith. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Hold that thought and look at Mark 11. Anybody want to guess what verse? Mark eleven twenty-three. Jesus speaking again in Mark eleven twenty-three. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, well, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, I believe that you receive them and you will have them. Faith speaks. Faith doesn't just believe. Faith says. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, mustard seed, you will say unto this mountain, go from here to there. You know, back to this demon-possessed boy in, in Matthew chapter 17, people say, well, when you're in the presence of God, you don't have to worry about anything. When God is on the scene, God is in control. Everything is exactly as it should be. This demon-possessed boy was standing right in the presence of Jesus Christ. And the demons were there. The demons went nowhere until what? Until Jesus spoke. Faith speaks. How do we wield the shield of faith? We say. We say, how do we activate the promise of protection in this case? The shield of faith with which we quench all the fiery darts, all the flaming missiles of the enemy. How do we do that? We speak it. We find a promise. Now now look, we can't say whatever we want. You've heard me me say this a hundred times if you've been here any length of time. I don't believe the name it and claim it but I believe claiming what God names. And he has named plenty. He has already spoken plenty for me. And if I see something in the Bible where God says, this is what I promise you, and I'm saying, well, I'm not seeing that in my life. I can either call God's word a liar, or I can say there's something wrong on my end. God says, I gave you a shield to quench all those fiery darts. And I'm saying, well, I'm getting hit by fiery darts. I got hit by the flu dart this week. What's the matter? And God just might say, have you picked that shield up? Are you saying anything? Now, this is where uh, the the title of this message, by the way, is a confession. Probably should have called it I Have a Confession. Because a little bit of a double entendre there. I'm going to lead you in a long confession at the end of this service. A faith confession. But first I'm going to confess something to you. I say quite often, you know, we try to. I try to do a message that centers on the doctrine of healing uh, every uh, four, five, six weeks on Wednesday nights, and we pray for the sick after every service. Just believe it's something we're commanded to do, particularly in the Book of James. Uh, But I've also shared with you many times how I have a daily confession that I speak over my body, and how important it is to say these things, not when you're sick. But when you're healthy, just continue. Hey, this is, if this is a promise of God. I'm going to speak it because faith speaks, right? And healing is important. Why do I think healing is important? Because it's something that Jesus did everywhere he went during his time of ministry on the earth. He did a lot of miracles. He did a lot of things. But the things he did everywhere he went to teach, to preach, and to heal. Teaching, preaching, and Healing. He never didn't heal a sick person. So I believe Jesus shows us more clearly than any place in the Bible, the gospel show us that healing is God's will. Don't ask me right now, well, then why do people get sick? Why do people die? You might as well ask me why people go to hell. Is it because God wants them to? Of course not. Jesus died for the sins of the world. Okay, it's a mystery. There's some tough stuff in there. I get it. But I'm going to cling to what I see as God's revealed will. And one of the things I do is I speak a confession. And you've heard me share it. It's some version of thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thank you that because of that finished work, I'm entitled to everything he purchased me for me at the cross, and those stripes show me that that includes my physical healing. Therefore, I believe that I've been redeemed, I've been delivered, I've been healed from every form of sickness, every disorder, every pain, every malfunction, in every bone, muscle, gland, organ, blood vessel, joint, ligament, tendon, nerve cell, and tissue of my body and all the spaces in between. Thank you, Father, for the complete work of healing operating in my life today. Something like that. And I mean it. Every day I say it. I mean it. Every day I say it. Do you know it didn't dawn on me until about Wednesday that somewhere in the last couple weeks I stopped saying it? I did. The pastor! The most faith-filled guy in this room right now. (laughs) I stopped it. God... And I couldn't tell you why, I couldn't tell you when. I have no idea. It wasn't like I got depressed. I don't know, too busy? No, that doesn't make sense. One of the the points I always make is, how long did that whole confession take? I said a lot, but I said it in 30 seconds. I think, I didn't time it. Distracted, thinking about other stuff, or just, you know what? Probably the, the best explanation or worst explanation, depending on how you look at it, just coasting, just coasting. Got other things on my mind. I'll, I'll do that. Healing. And you know, I, I still d- I drive Riley to school, not because it's such a long distance. Most of you know the high school is practically across the street from our house. But I drive in there because that's our little, you know, last minute communications before I send him off for the day and I go my way. And I'll always pray. Right, Riley? Do I ever not pray? Maybe once or twice because we're talking about something else. I'll always pray. Simple prayer. And in the middle of that, just thank you, Lord, for your protection. Thank you for your healing. So it's not like, it's not like I'm saying nothing but I'm not really wielding that shield. Now, what am I saying? What I'm saying is God taught me a lesson. He said, you didn't say your healing confession for two weeks, so I'm going to make you sick. That's not what happened. I can't even tell you 100% sure that the devil got in there and gave me the flu because I left that open. All I can tell you for sure is I wasn't saying my healing confessions, and I got sick. I got bad sick. Now, Riley had been fighting some sort of thing in his uh, sinus area, in his mouth and everything, so there was sickness in the home. I uh, had my buddy, Doc Otten, stop by the house and check him out. And, but I woke up uh, Monday morning, I guess, super early Monday morning with a really sore throat. And it was really, I was really dry, too, so I drank, drank some water, drank some water, drank some water, went back to sleep. And, and then, you know, I had cold symptoms for the next three days. And even then... I guess I'm thinking, well, well, you know, here we go. Cold, big deal. I'm healed. Thank you lot. Thank you, God, for healing me. But I wasn't really fighting it. Wednesday night, I don't even know what I talked about Wednesday night. I was in such a fog. And then I realized I was running a temperature the next day. So you're all healed too. What were you doing here? with f- I don't know if I had a fever on Wednesday night, but I knew I had one Thursday. I had one Friday. And then I'm thinking, what am I doing? Just waiting for this thing to get over with. I'm still saying the right stuff. We still got our confession. You know, uh, I mean, our our question, Beth says, how are you this morning? And my answer is, I'm healed. She goes, that's right. You are healed in Jesus' name. And then she follows it up with, so how are you feeling? I feel like garbage, (laughs) but I'm healed and she takes good care of me. The kids take good care of me. They're bringing me tea. They're bringing me boxes of Kleenexes and chicken soup. And I'm out there going, thank you. <laughs> Riley, I was sleeping on the couch. I didn't want to share this, uh, in our bedroom, you know, so I'm trying to, I, you know, kind of keep myself quarantined and Riley's on the other end and, uh, he falls asleep on the couch and, and, uh, my wheezing and coughing and stuff on Wednesday night. I said, Riley, sorry if I kept you awake with my coughing. He goes, It's not really your coughing, it's your moaning. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was moaning at all. It was kind of more of a wheeze. Now I'm laying, I was telling Beth the other night, I'm laying down on my side and and I'm just just about to fall asleep and I hear this. Meow, meow. I'm like kitty, 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 where's the cat? Where's the cat come up here, kitty? <laughs> kitty, kitty, kitty took me about a minute to realize that was my lungs. <laughs> because of the way my head was on the pillow, it was just kind of this squeak coming out. That's not a cat. That's me. So it was bad, folks. It was bad. Now, it's not the sickest I've ever been, all right? It's not the worst flu I've had. But it was, you know what the problem is? I lost, I lost five productive days. And it's not like I didn't get anything done. I did. Got some outdoor work done. Got some office work done. Got some writing done. But I was not productive. I was not flourishing. I was stolen from. And I'm more or less recovered now. And I know the flu technically is dangerous. I know a lot of people die from the flu every year, but not generally healthy people. So it wasn't like, oh, God, rescue me. I'm going to die of the flu but there was, it's something that I still feel like I should have been more prepared for. Because I'm not saying this either. If I only hadn't missed my confession, this sickness never would have touched me. I know sickness touches us from time to time. But boy, how you deal with it and how you recover has a lot to do with how ready you are when that battle comes. How many of you can attest to that? It's like, man, if I just... When you start... It's like you're starting in a hole. Oh, no. Yeah, get the Bible out blow the dust off of it, find those healing scriptures, start speaking them. Let me go through my email, see if Pastor Scott sent me a healing confession I can, I can uh, recite. And what we're going to do here in a little bit is actually have a healing service. Don't touch me. I know what you're thinking. I want to see where your faith is. <coughs> so come up here. Kidding. Not going to do that. But I want to remind you of this first, before I lead you in a confession, that sickness isn't the only way the enemy attacks us. I want to remind you that this battle we are in also is not just for our You're in a battle for your survival. You're in a battle for your health. You're in a battle for your finances. You're in a battle for personal flourishing. What we're in a battle for is the souls of sinners, And when the devil attacks us, it's not just because he hates us, which he does. It's to take us out of the fight and keep us from saving sinners. We need the armor of God in order to live and preach the gospel. So again, I'm going to lead us in a confession, and I want you to commit to speaking something similar over yourselves and your families daily. But first, praise and worship team, come up here. I told you it's going to be, here. We're not done. We're not as close to done as you think we are, but praise and worship team, I do want you up here. What we're going to do is claim some promises. We're not making stuff up. Everything, every confession that we're going to say here is, is rooted in Scripture. But let me ask you this first. You ever get one of those notices in the mail that you are part of a class-action lawsuit? That's it, right? You know, these things are real. They, they really are. These, these aren't scams. A lawsuit has been filed, and they just send out these mailers in case you bought a product or you did this, or they've got record that you did or something, because they're suing somebody because somebody else got injured or sick, sick, usually. And so they're filing this class action lawsuit on your behalf. All you got to do is sign this thing and say, yep, I'll be a part of it. And then when the damages are recovered, you get a big fat check for about 17 cents. Because the more people that are part of the suit, the bigger the pot gets spread around. So why do they bother? I mean, who gets rich off of those things? The lawyers. Lawyers aren't evil, and not every class action lawsuit is evil. I'm just saying. All right. The deal is these things are being done, and you can sign up. You can not sign up. But you are automatically qualified to receive a portion. You don't have to do any of the research the work, the litigation. You don't need to know the case law. All you have to do is say yes. If the work's being done, I'll take my portion of the benefit. God offers a better plan. You see, Jesus went to the cross to recover everything that was stolen from us. And we weren't even innocent victims. We were deceived Out of our inheritance by our adversary. He lied and somehow convinced us that sin was a more attractive option. Sin looked good, it sounded good. Our adversary made it sound good, so we signed up for it and we decided we would adopt that sin. And we agreed. We'd adopt that lifestyle. We agreed that we would pay whatever it took to engage in this lifestyle. And then we find out that the wages of sin is death. The only way out of this contract is to die. So, our lawyer, our advocate, which is what that word means, fulfilled the terms of that contract by dying in our place. So you signed a contract, it's legal, it's binding. Somebody has to die, and you're the guilty one. But I'm your advocate, I'm for you, and I love you. I'm going to go pay that p- penalty, I'm going to die in your place, and you'll go free. Now here's the exciting part. When it comes to recovering the damages, we all don't just get a tiny portion. We all get the full amount. What has the devil stolen from us? What has come into this world? What has left our hands because of sin? Right relationship with our creator? Divine health? Supernatural supply? Wholeness? abundance so Jesus said the enemy comes to steal to kill and to destroy but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly so we get the full amount of everything that God promised we get the full amount we get it recovered it's ours all of that stuff that we lost to the enemy when we were deceived we get back how we have to believe that Jesus Christ really did pay that price for us in fact we're talking about faith speaks Romans uh, 10 chapter 9 or chapter 10 verse 9 it says if you will believe in your heart if you'll confess with your mouth confess with your mouth the lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you'll be saved So let me ask you that. This is the part when we're going back to communion, uh, reserved for the believer. This is the part where you get to become a believer if you're not already. If you have never personally confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord, that is the one thing you need to do. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and do you believe that he had to for you to be saved? Then simply say, yes, I believe that. And I desire salvation. I need salvation. I believe Jesus is the only way to salvation. So, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust you. Come into my life, my heart. Be my Lord. Take my life. And you'll be saved. You can become a Christian right now. So, I'm going to do this a little different. Usually, what we do is we stop at this point, I'll pray, we'll sing a song. And then during that song, you can come up here and give your heart to Christ. But I want to move on to this confession first. So I'm not going to make it a whole lot easier for you. But you can't become a Christian secretly. You've got to confess it. You confess it to God himself. You might as well confess it to your neighbor. Almost everybody in here got saved in some sort of setting where they came down in front of a crowd or knelt before people. I just want you to do this. If you desire to become a Christian today, just raise your hand. Say, so, yeah, I'm ready for that. I need that change. I need that difference. And I'm not going to pull it fast. You're not going to come down here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but I'm going to do it from right here. You want to make Jesus Christ your Lord today? Say, so, yeah, I'm ready for that. I'm tired of playing games. I need the benefits you're talking about. I can't do this by myself. I need God to be my God. I need Jesus to be my Lord. Anybody? Quickly, quickly, we have a confession to do. Don't be afraid of this. This is what. This is what Jesus died for. Anybody? Okay. I'm not seeing any hands. So I'm just going to believe that that means everybody in here's made that decision. If you haven't and you were this close, don't leave today without speaking to me. Maybe you just got one more question. Maybe there's something that's got to be settled first that I didn't cover. That's fine. i be glad to talk to you and I won't get too close to you. Last chance. Anybody? Yep, yep, yep. Never mind. Yeah, I want to do it right now. I'm just going to pray a third, I promise, all I'm going to do is pray a 30 second prayer from the pulpit and I'm going to have everybody pray along, but this will be for you. I just want to see your hand. Anybody? Okay, praise the Lord. Now we're going to say this confession together. So say this after me. Father God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving your son to purchase me. To redeem me back to yourself. Thank you, Lord, that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, I am entitled to everything you promise. Every promise you make to the righteous is mine because of Jesus' Remind me daily, Lord, that my righteousness is not my own. That all conditions and qualifications have been met in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I am healed, I am supplied, I am protected, I am gifted. I am called. I am effective. I am not just a survivor. I am a victor, an overcomer, more than a conqueror because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And only because of that, sickness has no power over me. Sin has no power over me poverty has no power over me death has no power over me fear has no power over me and because you have so generously supplied all these things i am doing great things for your kingdom i will employ my god-given health wealth confidence skill energy, wisdom, everything in bringing in the harvest of souls that the enemy desires to destroy. I will not forget what you have done for me and I will tell of your marvelous works all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.